so I joined Pride and I found out that there were terms that I could use to describe how I felt inside because I thought everyone just felt uncomfortable being a woman. I thought that that was normal. I thought that that was like, what do you mean you're not grossed out by your boobs? Like, what is it? Is that not normal? Because <laughs> um, I, I didn't know any better. I had no other point of reference, you know? Like, I, I hadn't even heard of the term trans, let alone non-binary. So um, I, I got called all sorts of slurs. And it got to a point where I would just laugh about it. <laughs> it got to a point where I was like, imagine being so insecure that you're picking on someone you don't even know who's older than you. That's hilarious to me. That concept is so funny to me. Just am so in awe of you. So this is when you're at school? Yeah. This was year nine through 11 because I dropped out after 11. But year nine through 11, this is pretty much what I was dealing with. And I was like, look, as far as some people go, like I got the, I got the good end, you know, like th this was light. This was easy crap to deal with. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't imagine having been out and having been totally left alone. I, I can't imagine that because I don't think it happens in all honesty. I think no matter how accepting the environment you come out is, like is like the environment that you come out in, no matter how accepting it is, there's always gonna be one person who's not okay with it. Mm. That's their problem. True but you're going to cop the brunt end of their problem. Yeah. Long story even short. Even if it's just like, and I think people don't un, like underestimate the impact of things like a stare or like mm -hmm. just acting differently. And I think people don't realize how, when you are on the receiving end of that, how easy that is to see and pick up. Like, you know, I think people have this idea of bullying always has to be this really physical, verbal, you know, like really obvious. And I think, you know, some definitely it can be that, but also some of the worst stuff is just that silence or the stares or like just seeing people's response when you say your pronouns or when you say your gender identity and you're like, oh, you know, it's just that extra feeling of like, oh, you don't see me, you don't, you're not really going to respect me. Like it's, it's that that you have to continually work through. And it doesn't matter, I think, if it's, more intense or not, I think it's ridiculous that we have to be like, oh, well, I copped the easy end of the stick. It's like, we shouldn't be copying it at all. <laughs> True, but I'm saying, like, if you have to cop it, at least I cop the easy end, you know? <laughs> I know. I know. It's, I know. it's funny, like, going out into adult life thinking it's going to be a bit easier because at least adults can keep their thoughts, like, in their heads, right? Whereas kids just blurt out whatever that comes to mind. You think, I'm saying you think because I was very wrong. But yeah, go, going out into the like adult world thinking that things are going to be easy, I was very wrong. I was employed as a waiter at um, a place that I'm not going to say because I don't know if I'm allowed to. And I was told that I was allowed to wear um, my rainbow pins, my pronoun badges, anything I wanted, as long as it wasn't too extravagant. Like, so as long as it like fit within what they consider the uniform code, it was fine. So on Father's Day, they had a special in every way to everyone that was employed at that restaurant was required to work because of how packed it was. And I decided being Father's Day to wear the rainbow badge that my dad had given me and my pronoun badge on my other, like so on my lapel, so on either side, I had the rainbow badge and my pronoun badge. And I had an elderly couple who came in, um, was seated in my section and, you know, I'm, I'm rushing around the dishes and stuff. It took me a while to get to them because of how busy it was. But I finally got to them and I took their order and the old man, the second he, oh sorry, the elderly gentleman, the second he saw my rainbow pin and then my pronoun badges, um, snapped to his to his wife that they were leaving because he didn't want to be served by a insert slow here um, and then spat at me as they walked out the door and I was like oh that was fun um, okay then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go over there and deal with that but that was that was weird 
Mm. And I, I just, I didn't know how to deal with that because I genuinely didn't think that adults would be so immature. <clears throat> Uh, so what advice would you give to someone who is trying to educate or inform a loved one who is from a different generational mindset? Be patient. Like they are from a different mindset. They are from a different generation. And if they are, if they are trying, they're really trying and be willing to have calm conversations. Don't snap at them because, you know, if they really want to help, then they'll be willing, but you do have to be patient. So it, it is, sometimes a really long game but it's worth it i think i think that's really true and i think like sometimes particularly if it's in regards to i think like a, a lot of people a lot of young people in particular are put in the position of having to educate people like our parents or people who you know normally take on a bit more of a supporting role and i think sometimes we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves as well to be those educators um because it's sort of like oh well we need to be the ones to do it and i think that sometimes I think it's also okay to sort of go and link to resources, link to videos or ask someone else to sort of take that role because I don't think you should ever feel the pressure to take on that educator role, particularly if it's about your identity. So I think it can take a lot out of you and it can also be really hard to try and, you know, I, I definitely found when I first came out to my parents, um, both when I came out as gay and also when I came out as trans, like, when you have to educate someone and you're getting questions about, but like, you know, when, when you're sort of still figuring it out yourself or you're not completely sure of yourself, it can be really, really hard to take on that as well. So I think my advice would also be to look, think about if you're the best person for it. Like, and if you are, then that's amazing. And I think Cass, you're so right in terms of patience and time. But I think if you don't have that time, if you don't have that patience, if you're feeling a bit, you know, if it's too close to home, I think it is okay to take a step back. You know, you don't have to do that work. There are lots of resources that are out there. There are lots of other people that can as well. There are services that are designed for peer support for parents. Um, and to connect parents to those is sometimes a really important thing as well. I found that in my personal experience, patience is your best friend, which is a shame because I have none. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a very like explodey boy, very short fuse. Um, but my my mum is very open minded, so she took on board the information that I gave her, and she said, "Okay, um, I'll do my best, but no promises." And I was, well, like no guarantees in like how quick she would be able to switch her language because to her, grammatically, they was plural, and I got that, I get it, like because in a sentence, normally when you say they, it's plural. Um, I give examples like um, if you're talking about a non-specific person, so if you said, you know, the mailman, when are they bringing the package? You don't say, when is he bringing the package or when is she? More often than not, you say they or, you know, who was on the phone? Are they after me? You know, so I, I try examples like that to try and help people wrap their head around it. Um, and it's helped in the past, not specifically with my parents, just in general, it's helped with the part in the past with people figuring out the pronouns. Um, and I think that was really important. But I think for me, the biggest, um, I suppose, milestone was when I first came out as non-binary and explained my pronouns and what that meant. Um, my dad, my dad struggled. He's, he's uh, a middle-aged man, grew up in a very specific time and culture and community. So I understood the struggle. I really did. And I still do. I get it. But he said to me when I first came out that I had to accept that he was never going to be able to use my pronouns. Um, 
he, he struggled a bit with my name, but he got there. But he said to me right off the bat, he was never going to be able to use my pronouns. And um, that, that was hard for me to take on board. It really was because to me, that felt like it meant that I wasn't worth trying to change a language for, which hurt. It did. And um, within the last year or so, so I've been out for about four years now. So within the last year, year and a half sort of deal, um, he's managed it or managed to correct himself when he misgenders me. And the first time that happened, I damn near cried and I'm not a crier, so that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm, I'm so used to like auto correcting people where they're, they're like, she, I'm like, they, excuse me, thank you very much. But I got to a point where I stopped correcting my dad because he'd get annoyed at the constant correcting. And I was like, I kind of give up, you know? And then he corrected himself and I, I nearly broke my neck doing a 180 whip around to stare at him. Um, <laughs> and he just, he just gives me like this really soft smile. And I was like, I might hug you right now. <laughs> I'm not a physical contact person. That's a big thing coming from me. I'm just like, I'm going to cry and probably hug you in a minute because that's a lot. <laughs> Um, I think, I think I just, I just assumed that after six months of him saying that he wasn't going to be able to do it, he just wasn't going to try. Mm. I was proven wrong and I'm very thankful for that, mm. but not everyone is like that. I was lucky. Um, and some people just aren't willing to change the way they've spoken or the way they think because they've been thinking like that for you know 50 years or whatever it is whoever it is you're talking to 50 years in my case but um yeah so some people aren't willing to change and i think it gets to a point where you kind of have to accept that yeah and like i think from the trainings like from both my life my personal life and also like the work i do which is like predominantly training people and like when you're doing trainings you're trying to talk to people about lgbti stuff from you know queer people in the room through to someone who's really meaningful ally has no idea through to the someone who's extremely like discriminatory and transphobic and you're trying to get everyone on the same page and it's really hard and sometimes impossible and i think that is a good point and focusing your energy on the people that you know are going to support you i think is really important i know like storytelling and empathy building is the like a really good tool to get people to sort of have a bit more understanding like sometimes people might not understand all the language, you might not understand that stuff, but they can at least kind of empathize with the experience and to try a bit harder. But I also do really agree that focusing on the energy on those people that are going to be those supports, that are going to be those allies is also really valuable. And you can only do so much for the people that aren't going to be as supportive. And maybe it's a conversation with someone else that really is the thing that clicks for them. It's just like touching on that one, I wanted to talk about my grandmother for a second because I remember a long time ago, I don't even know if this actually happened, but um, when I was much younger, Canberra set, was talking about legalising same-sex marriage or something, yeah. and my grandmother sort of went on this whole tirade about how it was unnatural, it was bad, it was just like not good at all, and then fast forward a few years, when the um, vote happened, and I asked, Uma, are you going to vote yes or no? And she said, I'm going to vote yes because it's none of my business. And then fast forward another few years, and she's one of the most supportive people um, in my life. You know, might trip up, and, you know, English is not a first language. It's, you know, she's elderly, all those things. She's still extremely supportive of who I am as a person, and she will defend the community because she's grown up, um, well, I've grown up with her, she's grown up with me, and 
we've had open and honest conversations and it's taken a long, long time, which is why I stress the patience, but she has learnt and it, it's possible to learn, it's possible to grow and you can have those wonderful relationships if you're both willing to put in those efforts. Oh, definitely. definitely. Real life character development. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, what do you think about the term queer and why do you think so many people are uncomfortable with it or using it, uncomfortable using it as well? Well, I mean, and this is, to, this, sorry, just to clarify, this is like identifying and non-identifying individuals. This is the community at large. Queer used to mean odd, so that was easily applied to people who didn't fit the norm, you know, um, homosexual people, bisexual people, whatever. Um, if you weren't normal, you were queer, and that evolved into a slur. It was thrown against people um, to bully them, to harass them, to dehumanise them, But which is why a lot of people are uncomfortable with it, and they will say, don't call me this, don't use that term around me, it's a trigger point. And that's, we should respect that, because it's, just, just as we respect anybody else, you have to respect that. But it has been reclaimed by the community, and it is such a, an identifying word for a lot of people, myself included, because it's, it encompasses the entire community. If you're lesbian, if you're gay, if you're bi, if you just say queer, it identifies you as part of the community and you don't have to have all those specifics. You just say, I'm part of this community, that's enough for me. And it's, it's a welcoming, accepting, diverse term that helps a lot of people. But again, I should stress, you must respect the people who don't feel comfortable with it because that is their history and that's their, that's their person. Mm. Um, and I was, I was just going to say, and I think for, I know a lot of people who aren't a part of the queer community or LGBTI community get quite worried or unsure about when to use that word. And I think it's just like with all language, it's like you never put a label, you never put an identity on someone or a group of people like you just use the language that people use to describe themselves like if someone talks about going to a queer event or being a part of the queer community or identifying as queer then it's okay to use that term when you're like in regards to that and reflecting that back but you should be quite aware of the history of it being quite a violent term and particularly when working with older members of the lgbti community in like in particular being quite aware of using that term but in general just don't use it unless someone else does and then when they do use it and reflect it back it's pretty it's pretty simple but i do that's great it. advice actually yeah that's quite concise i also i love the term queer um especially for me like with my sexuality being non-binary i'm like i don't i don't know it, it, it changes i know i'm not straight the queer queer is great great yeah. queer gives me so much room to move it means i don't have to be specific and if things change around a bit, it's it still applies. It's amazing. I love the term queer. I think it's great. It's, uh, I, yeah. I, was, I feel the exact same way because, you know, the terms bisexual or pansexual do apply to me. And while I feel more comfortable mm. with bisexual, sorry, it's just so much easier just to say queer because it gets the point across. It, like you said, it gives you more space to move, and especially with regards to my gender, because I don't, I don't know, like whatever, just like don't, don't put a box around me in that sort of sense. Like it, it just helps because it doesn't tie you down to a certain thing. It's, it's, mm. it's very helpful just to say I'm part of the community. That's all you need to know. Here's my yeah, name. Just, here's a pronoun. That's all you yeah. need to know. Just please don't think I'm straight. Like that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> like, don't think I'm straight, please. The love of God. <laughs> I wonder oh, if that. Yeah. I wonder if that is why 
there is a little bit of discomfort too because there is so much freedom in that space and people can't actually narrow it down what it means and so they're like but 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 i don't know you know they don't they, how do they interact with that when they don't they can't pinpoint it i know that a lot of um trans exclusionary radical feminists hate the word queer because it does include trans people and especially trans women and so there's this huge movement on social media that has been for the last few years of these um, trans-inclusionary radical feminists saying, don't use the word queer, it's a slur, it's horrible, it's, it's a hate word, when it's really not in this, this modern um, uh, context. And so it has been re-reclaimed, I guess, as a slur by these people. So it's just really a minefield. And I love the, like, with reclaiming as well, like, that's such a powerful thing to take, yeah. you know, being different, being odd, being you know, not normal, and being taken that and being like, yeah, I'm queer and I'm proud and I'm awesome. And like, yeah, I don't fit into your labels or box. And like, yeah, I might not present in the way you expect. Yeah, I might not identify in a way that you didn't think I would when I was born, but like, so what? I'm happy, yeah. I'm proud, and like, what you gonna do? <laughs> I'm not Deal with it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> what advice do you have for people that say, it's just a joke when making derogatory comments. Um, can I take this one real quick? <laughs> you do you, babe. <laughs> Joking is not a joke unless it has the consent of the person being joked about. Historically, jokes have been used to harass, degrade, and dehumanize people all over. You know, you get jokes about black people being slaves. You get jokes about women being in the kitchen. I remember, you know. During the suffragette movement, men would make jokes about women being hags who want to take over the political arena. And then, you know, during the civil rights movement, black people were joked about as being monkeys and blah, blah, blah. And during, um, you know, all throughout history, there have been massive jokes about Jews being lizards, about being having a huge hook nose, being taken over the banks and everything. And using these jokes has been a way to systematically degrade minority people and make sure that they never gain any sort of political or public um, favor. They remain hated, they remain dehumanized because they are the brunt of the jokes. And in this modern day and age, there is no excuse for it, for it being just a joke because just a joke against a minority or just a joke against someone who does not consent to being joked about is bullying, it is harassment, and there is no other excuse. Getting <laughs> <laughs> straight facts. Yes. Yes. Dark queen. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. I don't have anything to add to that. I don't know about you, Rory. <laughs> I just think every, that is 100% it. I love that about it's not a joke unless the other party consents to it. And I just think, like, in general, if someone tells you something is hurtful or bullying or degrading or discriminatory, it doesn't matter if it's unintentional or intentional or not, it's still harmful and you should listen to that person and stop harming someone because like, that's it, discrimination can come in lots of different forms. Um, like it, you can obviously pick out the ones that are a bit more obvious, like when it's physical, verbal, but those jokes are still a huge part of what constitutes homophobia, transphobia, racism, ableism, and like those things are harmful and they hurt those communities that they're a part of. And it, it's just also just come up with better material. Like if you're seriously thinking that the funniest you can be is when you have to rag on a group of people that are continually <laughs> discriminated against or a minority group, then just, I mean, you're not a very good comedian. Like you're not very funny and just come up with something better, come up with something 
funny and just believe people when they tell you something hurtful like it is real talk they don't need to have a valid reason to feel the way they feel if they tell you that something has hurt them it's hurt them full stop end of sentence that's it no buts no buts that's it and there's a quote by louis ck that i absolutely adore where he says when a person tells you that you heard them you don't get to decide that you didn't i use that a lot and that's one of my favorite all-time quotes because it should be common sense and yet here we are <laughs> it comes back to that. lots of other material <laughs> that's it it comes back to the it's, it's a stereotype they're just repeating something they've heard somewhere before and there is an element of laziness to it like yeah it's, yeah. it's not considered it's just regurgitating something on repeat um for a quick gag which is like base level humor mm. um i've been like guilty of cheap jokes like that in the past but you know someone told me that they found that offensive and you know what i did i stopped telling that joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not that hard people 